that's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. Yo, 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 so it's a back-to-back, we won both of them, I'm joined with Brendan Nunez and a new guy who's be co-hosting along with myself and Brendan each week named Justin Trombino, I'm your host Adam Taylor, yo Justin, say what's up? How you guys doing, thanks for having me. Tell them a little bit about yourself Justin, let the guys get to know who you are. Well, I'm a uh, big Celtics fan, I, uh, I've been writing for the Celtics for a while, that's kind of how I met up with Adam and uh, just want to share my thoughts on the Celtics with everybody. Yo, Brendan, you was at a game last night, right? Where, who did you go see play? Yeah, I, uh, I, we've revealed here that I'm California-based and I do a lot of Kings coverage, but originally from uh, a different part of California and I went to a Warriors game last night, first time at the Chase Center. And let me tell you, it was an absolute terrible game to see the Warriors without D'Lo play the Pistons without Blake Griffin. 15 turnovers in the first quarter. It was just a chaotic game that was somewhat entertaining. But I'm happy to be here talking about a good basketball team in the Boston Celtics. So you went to see the Pistons play. So this is why I brought it up, just to leave Ah. us all in. There's a lot of talk at the moment about Andre Drummond being available for a trade, and it seems to be that there's a lot of mixed opinions based around whether the Celtics should be in the trade market for a guy like Drummond. Some people are all for it. Other people are completely against it. I'm in the completely against it camp. Let's see where you two guys fall, and then we'll look at the pros of Drummond and the cons of Drummond, and then we'll move on to talk about some actual Celtics players that are currently on the roster. I'll let you take the lead on this one, Justin. What are your thoughts on Drummond? Alrighty. Um, I'm actually on the fence about it, but as far as this season, I do not think he is the answer or we should even maybe make a trade for him. Um, is that how you guys feel about it? Or I'll just yeah. go on, Brendan. You go for it. Bro. I just like... I mean, so, like, what are the Celtics looking for if they trade for a big? It's not some dominant post player. They they have the offense covered. It's more about a rim protector and a defensive force, someone that's going to be able to at least try to slow the likes of Embiid and Giannis. And I just don't think Drummond does that. Like, he's an offensive center. I, I don't like his rim protection enough. He supplies nice rebounding that would be good for the Celtics. But uh, I think I said it before we pressed record here. I kind of feel like he's just an elite version of Ennis Cantor in a way. Yeah, so he isn't going to plug any holes that are currently on the roster. He isn't going to upgrade the defense when we're playing against teams with stretch bigs. He isn't going to upgrade the defense when a big's put in a pick and roll. If he gets pulled out of the paint on D, he's a liability just as much as Cantor is. If not more, I mean, Cantor's quite mobile. He's got really good hands. And he, to me, it feels like Drummond's rebounds are empty stats because he slags off so much on D just to be able to grab that board, you know? And we were saying this about Cantor at the start of the year. My opinion on that's kind of changed a little bit. 
Cantor seems to be just bad at D, but yet at least he tries, right? I can't see how, and this is the same reason I'm against the Stephen Adams trades for the same reason. Just because the name is a bigger name and they've, you know, they might have had an all-star appearance in Drummond or they might have done this, they've earned more money, doesn't mean you're actually upgrading. When you're getting cooked in a pick and roll as a center and then you go out and trade for another center that gets cooked in the pick and roll, but that was the reason you were making the trade was to shore up your defense in that aspect or your perimeter defense. You, you're just making a trade for the sake of making a trade. I don't see how it actually improves Boston's chances of winning at the moment. Well, and we should mention what it would take to get him, right? I mean, Drummond is a big salary. It's 27, practically $28 million. The only way you're making that work is including Gordon Hayward. And then the question becomes, are you improving or worsening the roster from that trade? What I mean, come on, dude. So you want to give up Gordon Hayward, that's the most complete player on that roster. Um, I've had arguments about this. You may agree, you may disagree. But for me, he's the most complete all-round player on that roster. To go and get Andre Drummond, really? Is that what you want to do? I mean, what do you guys think? Am I the only one of this? Do you even consider Hayward to be the most complete player on the roster? Uh, yeah. I. Sorry, Brennan. I, no, go ahead. All right. I do think Hayward is probably one of the most complete, rounded, polished players on the roster, even despite all his unfortunate injuries that have that he's had here in Boston. Um, but with that being said, I just don't think that Drummond is like a real upgrade for the team uh, for Hayward. And if they were to make the trade, I do believe Hayward, ha- uh, I'm sorry, Drummond has the player option for next season, which sort of essentially puts them in the same boat that they're in now. Yeah, I mean, you are right. Both of them are going into the end of the year with a player option. The fact that Detroit feel like Drummond isn't going to exercise that option is part of the reason they're entering into trade talks with teams, which says a lot about how Boston feel about Hayward as well, because obviously if they thought he was going to turn down that player option, maybe they're in the same boat. The difference is Hayward is worth keeping at the moment, especially the way he started to play since coming back off this recent injury that you roll the dice on whether he's going to pick up that option, and if not, you try and enter into contract talks with him again. Brendan, where are you at? You feel like I was the most complete player? Um, Right now, probably, yeah. I, I think that Marcus Smart is kind of up there, but doesn't have the same versatility that Gordon has. Um, Yeah, he's probably the most complete player, and the only reason that you'd be shipping them off is to get someone that's a perfect fit. And I just don't think Drummond is that I, I do like you mentioned Steven Adams. I like that better. I, I think Steven Adams is a better defender and you're trading offense for that. But like we said, I mean, I think the Celtics have plenty of offense. Um, yeah. It's just the Drummond one does not make sense to me. It doesn't put the Celtics over the top. I believe the Celtics were um, the Celtics name was actually mentioned as being interested in Drummond. And sure, I mean, you kind of explore it, I guess, if you're Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge is going to explore every trade. But, yeah, it, it's not worth it for Gordon. I'm not packaging smart in a bunch of, you know, Cantor, Poirier, blah, 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 to do it. I, I just don't see a way that this makes Boston better, and I don't think there's any chance Danny Ainge pulls the trigger on this. 
Especially not when it's for Gordon Hayward. Let's look at how how Drummond actually plays and where he could slot in and actually make an upgrade to the team. So we we've all said we don't think it's good. There's going to be fifty percent of people listening to this that are agreeing with us right now, nodding their heads. Yep, let's not do that. That's going to be a terrible move. There's also going to be a fair share of people that disagree. So for that, let's have a look at what Drummond actually does well and what he could bring to the team. So obviously he's going to be a better rebounder than what we've got. Really though, do you really think he's that much more of an elite rebounder than Cantor? That's the first question I've got in my mind. I don't think he's like leaps and bounds ahead as a rebounder. Any of you guys well, think I mean, differently? I've noticed a majority of I mean a majority of Cantor's rebounds come on the offensive end, um, whereas Drummond's they come on the defensive end. Um, and as far as that goes, I mean he is averaging a lot of. You know, he's averaging 17.5 points primarily in the, from the paint, which, I mean, the Celtics could probably benefit in that area if you think about it. But other than that, it's not really a huge difference, I guess, from what you have now because whatever Drummond would get, I guess, Kemba Wooden or whoever, you know, Brown. The question is, if Cantor was playing Drummond's minutes, wouldn't Cantor be getting similar points in the paint per game? Mm, I, I don't know. Oh, I, no. I think and I, I think Drummond's better. I think that Drummond can put the ball on the floor a bit more um, and has a little bit more shiftiness and creativeness to him. I think that he powers through people better than Cantor does. Um, and I like his touch around the rim a little bit more. And I think Justin was pretty spot on with the rebounding. I think that Cantor is a better offensive rebounder and Drummond is a lot better defensive rebounder. Actually, yeah, I have the numbers right here. Um, offensive rebounding percentage for Drummond is 12% and 16% for Cantor. Defensive rebounding percentage, 34% for Drummond and 25% for Cantor. So pretty big difference there on defensive, but then, I mean, offensive rebounds are probably valued a little bit more. Um, and defensive rebounding can be a bit of a team effort at times. So I do think that Drummond is clearly a better player than Cantor, um, but it's just not a big enough upgrade. Like I, I think, like I said at the beginning, is I just don't think this is the type of center that the Celtics need. I feel like it's a defensive center that they need, and Drummond is really all offense to me. Give me a defensive center that would be available that you want. And that's not me trying to cause a debate or an argument. I genuinely want to know some names. Uh, I mean, Miles Turner. It, I don't know if he'd be available. He's been thrown around a couple times. Uh, I've always been interested in him. Like I said, I like Steven Adams a little bit better. Clint Capella somewhat. Um, yeah, I, I mean, if we were just getting super hypothetical, like, I've said it before, and we in the Celtics just played him. Wendell Carter Jr. is like a dream with the young core. That's the dream. That is the dream. I mean, not happening. I mean, we're going to keep dreaming, but can't we get all of Celtics Nation to just spam Chicago's tweets until they just decide it's not worth it anymore and make a trade? I think Chicago might decide it's not worth it anymore without the Celtics doing that. <laughs> I mean, come on, dude. We've got to at least feel like we're influencing things here. So when we're moving on, let's look at what else can he do. So he's obviously an upgrade on the, on the defensive boards, but are you giving up some some of the actual defensive ability 
because of those boards. Do you feel like Cantor's more active on D than Drummond and Drummond's just there to to mop up the missed shots? Or do you feel like Drummond's actually going to try and contest guys? Because he doesn't seem like a guy that's... So, you know, some players live for blocking shots. That's what they do. That's what they love to do. Some guys love to just cause havoc on D. Look, imagine like what we need is like a, a six. 11 Marcus Smart is what we need. Yeah, I mean, let me know when you find that. Uh, <laughs> I think that Drummond is a substantial upgrade over Cantor on defense. I don't think Drummond is this great rim prote- protector or even good rim protector that he's necessarily hyped up to be, but I think that he's decent in that way. Um, I mean, Christian Wood is the guy that's coming on to replace him, but the opponents shoot 3.5% worse with Drummond on compared to Christian Wood. And Wood's decent in that regard. Uh, Thon Maker is a guy that's coming in there as well sometimes. Um, I think that Drummond is substantially better than Cantor there. And I think just moving his hips, like Cantor can't rotate his hips to really save his life or slide laterally at all. I think Drummond gets abused in that regards, but not to the extreme of Cantor. Like Cantor's just probably straight up one of the worst big defenders in the league. Yeah, dude, Even he's, uh, he's had mobility. some nice games with blocks and stuff. Yeah, I mean, Drummond has a lot better mobility. Like he's going to run up the floor a lot quicker than Cantor is, um, and it shows a little bit on defense. Do you think he could facilitate an offense from the five position? Do you think he could run some dribble handoffs, make some passes at the high post? Yeah, I, I think that that's interesting. At times, you could go to that. I think dribble handoffs, and he could fake it and then slip through. I, I think, and you know, he'd be a lot quicker at doing that than Cantor. Um, so I, I think you could do it on occasion. Um, yeah, and you see the Celtics do it a bit with Cantor, like you're saying. What about you, Justin? Do you think he could facilitate an offense with Drummond? I think so. I think he. I think he'd be good doing the uh, the dribble handoffs more rather than looking for passes and getting assists that way. Um, but I do think he's just a big athletic guy who can get it done in the paint. I think he alley-oops, high passes, getting it in. I think, you know, on the Celtics, I think he could be an offensive kind of guy better who who's better than Cantor if we're still making that comparison. And then the question becomes here's one for you that I was thinking about. The one bonus of obtaining a guy like Drummond is you get to slide Tice down to the second unit and operate him there. Which would be a big upgrading at the moment. I think having Tice run with that second unit would be massive, especially on the offensive end with the way Tice can space the floor, the way he likes to set screens and slip out. The only thing is Marcus Smart's developed quite a nice little um, a little pick and roll duo forming between him and Cantor. Have you seen that happening? They've run a lot of drag screens between each of them. It's, uh, it's becoming quite fun to watch. Yeah, that's a nice offensive uh, duo that to have for your second unit. I mean, those are guys that could be starting on some teams. Probably not Cantor, but Smart. Um yeah, I think it would be a nice upgrade to the bench, but at the same time, I think that your your starting lineup gets worse and your closing lineup because, like we mentioned, I mean, this is involving giving up Gordon Hayward. Uh, then Marcus 
is likely the guy that becomes that starting lineup in Hayward's place, and you slide Jalen and Jason down. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm pretty out on this overall. So with that being said, I I am kind of intrigued of the intrigued by thinking of Andre Drummond at the five, surrounded by Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, uh, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have increased their production on defense, and I think it'd be great to see those four guys just start defending right at the point of attack, maybe be a little more risky when it comes to defending, knowing that they got a big guy like Drummond who's behind them. Um, it just really intrigues me rather than Cantor. And, you know, I, I, I do like Tice at the center, but he is a, a true four. And I'd love to see him play the four with a dominant center that the Celtics have at the same time. But he totally would be an upgrade for the second unit, no doubt. What happens to Rob Williams when Rob Williams is healthy? Yeah, he just goes back um, in time before the trade even happens. <laughs> Rob Williams, um, he w- I was high on him at the beginning of the season, and I still am, despite this hip bone injury. But I think I think the I think his per- the Celtics are using him well between first and second unit. You know, he's gotten in some starts. He's playing with the first units here or there when he's healthy. Um, but I like him more with the second unit. Okay, so I think that's uh, going to solidify all the information we wanted to talk about for Drummond. He's going to be, he's going to be an upgrade on D. He might be a little bit of an upgrade on offense, but moving Hayward to facilitate that trade makes the team worse overall. I think we're all agreed on that, right? Yeah, agreed. I think he brings more offense than how you stated it, but yeah, I'm definitely out on it. Yeah, I'm purposely being down on it just because I don't want it to happen. I'm being fine bit, by me. Yeah, I'm being a little bit. This is my opinion and tough. Uh, usually, I'm not like this, but I'm very passionate about keeping Gordon Hayward at the moment. So, what we're going to do is we're going to move along to a nice little break. We've got some advertisements for your ears. You might enjoy them. You might not. When we come back, there's going to be a few things we want to talk about. We're going to look at how Tatum attacked the game better in the first half of yesterday's game, and how that kind of fed into his butt score and his efficiency throughout the game. And then we're going to look at what Hayward's doing nice following his return from his latest injury. So we'll be back in a few minutes. If you like the ads, great. If you don't, then you get to hear my voice again shortly. Or Brendan's, or Justin's. Depends which one of us you like, really. So yeah, guys, I mean, Tatum was attacking in the first half of the game against Chicago on Saturday. Tatum was attacking the, the rim a lot more in motion than he has been recently. He Usually we'll see him like play, go ISO and then drive or attack from a half-court set. But he was getting the ball while he was moving and continuing his run straight to the rim. And it was it was equal and a lot of success. He was getting to the rim here. He wasn't at full speed, so he had far more body control. He was able to finish with a bit of a lighter touch around the rim, which obviously he's been needing to do. He was causing problems, dude. They were having to collapse a few times. He was getting some wraparound passes or he'd get fouled. He spent quite a bit of time at the line throughout both games in this back-to-back. 
You want to see more of that from him, or do you think that was an anomaly and we'll, we we need to be happy with seeing him go run these half court sets? I mean, I definitely like to see it from him. I, I think we've been pushing for him to kind of get downhill, and he's done that a lot more this year than what we saw years in the past, and I think that's been a reason for a nice little jump in development for Tatum this year. Um, yeah, and especially in that first quarter to me, I felt like he really was attacking and blowing past guys and using his length to finish around the rim. We obviously have criticized... Uh, the finishing a lot and identified that as an area where he could take another jump in his game later in his career. But yeah, I think that there's going to be a balance of it because I do think he is a very talented half court player. And that's part of the appeal of him is that he can create his own shot when he needs to like that big three, he hit down the line. Um, But I think that him getting downhill is just a new development and going to add another aspect to him rather than pulling up off the dribble. I mean, first of all, let's be real. That big three was a bailout for a terrible position. Great shot, great little step back. It, nice it crossover. Was. But it was a bailout three. he's a difficult shot maker that can do that in the half court, you know? Oh, yeah, he's, he's pure clutch, dude. There's no argument about that. And that possession wasn't all on him either. I mean, that was just a bad Celtics possession. It wasn't like he ran into trouble all on his own. But when you're yeah. talking about getting downhill, finishing around the rim, He's like he's really going to that post up as well, right? I mean, in the first quarter, he posted. Did you do you remember seeing him post up Chris Dunn and just give him all the smoke? Yeah, that guy should not be able to guard him. Exactly, but he's doing that more and more. He's hunting out mismatches down on the low block and then either turn, fading with that nice little fadeaway he likes, or he's spinning off guys now and getting to the rim that way. And I feel like when he posts up, because he hunts out that mismatch on the post. He's really getting great success at doing that at the moment. I'd like to see more of that when possible. I'm actually looking at some highlights now because I didn't. I watched bits and pieces of the game because the Patriots were on yesterday at the same time as the Bulls and Celtics. Yeah, RIP to those Patriots, by the way. Love to see it on my end. <laughs> yeah, so so does my girlfriend. <laughs> but yeah, you I mean, the I Niners. Yes, I'm a Niners guy, so I'm hyped. Adam, uh, you were talking about Adam about Jason uh, posting up is what you were saying, right? Yeah, so he's hunting out mismatches on the post. He did it in the Hawks game as well. So he's he's basically just switching onto the smaller guy, backing him down, and then he's either going to spin off, and he likes to spin towards his right hand, so he'll spin more baseline than like towards the center of the key. And that's great because that allows him to go for the reverse if there's a big guy chasing him down for the block. Or it allows him to finish right under the rim so he can just get that nice little float off the back of, back of the glass. Or he'll fade, dude. And that fade away, that turnaround fade away he's been using this year from like the low block into the mid-range has been cash money all year. And that's the one I'm looking at right now. Um, yeah. I found the one that you were talking about with Chris Dunn. He does do that nice turn fade away and he throws his right leg up just a little bit too just to keep that separation for himself. It's truly great in his development. Yeah, and then he has such nice footwork that he can start faking that, and then guys will bite on the pump fakes, and he'll do an up-and-under move or get to the free-throw line because of that. And with his length, his up-and-unders, really I mean, he's getting what should be a wide-open layup. Like That's the finishing that's going to end up developing, and I think it's just a little awkward with him having just – 
the whitest shoulders you've ever seen in your life. Um, so I, I think it'll come around. And yeah, I mean, him and Jalen both are going to get post-up opportunities with just the Celtics running technically one of those guys at shooting guard, really. Like, there's going to be a guard that is uh, defending one of those guys or Gordon Hayward. They all have post-up capabilities. And that's the, that's the beauty of having all three of those guys, right? The switchability that it provides you when all three are on the court together and being at, you, one of you is always going to be able to find that mismatch. It's going to be very rare, unless you're coming up against a team like the Sixers, which are just a bunch of dudes that were planted in soil from birth and just shot up into this forest of a basketball <laughs> team. So, like, unless, you, unless that's happening, you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to hunt out a mismatch between one of those three guys. And if not one of those three, guess what? You've got Tyson or Cantor that's going to be on getting a mismatch because most teams don't have that height and length to be able to switch on all four of those guys at one, any one point. I feel like Brown is much, much, much stronger than Tatum at the moment, driving and finishing at the rim. I feel like Tatum's got the edge playing out of the post a little bit more with his back to the basket though, because because Brown's developed that shot, boy, and it's uh it's looking it's looking smooth at the moment. Every time he puts it up, you just think it's going in. Oh my god! Don't uh, even get me started on Jalen Brown. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with you on that about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in their games out in and outside of the paint. Uh, Jason Tatum, uh, I'm sorry, Jalen Brown. Um, he does have a really nice, pretty jump turnaround that he does sometimes out of his little post or whatever he's doing there and uh they're both developing great shots and it's great to see so i'm happy with it I'm, i mean it was nice to see him Jay, jason attack the game in a bit of a different way for for half a game just to see how he can affect it differently his efficiency was way up for that half as well com- compared to what we've seen recently you can't always put it down to just because he attacked it slightly different. But the balls were being up on them guys just as tough as the Hawks did the night before. Both of those teams were surprisingly uh, sprightly on defense. Sprightly is a good word. We're going to go with sprightly. They were both sprightly on defense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, having, like, we're mentioning these mismatches that the Celtics are always going to have. And it was just Tatum's night with that. Like we mentioned, Chris Dunn is not going to be able to cover him. Um, and then Sadoransky's on the point. So yeah, it's just, there's gonna, these guys can take turns really going at it. And then Gordon, there was moments of Gordon really running the entire second unit where I believe it was Gordon out there with the likes of Wanamaker, Cantor, Shemi, and, Maybe Grant was the other one out there, I think, um, where Gordon's just completely running that second unit. And, I mean, it worked out fine for the Celtics. Gordon is, like you said, probably the most versatile player and, to me, definitely the best playmaker on the Celtics. His off-ball movement in, in the game against the Bulls was just fantastic. He, he constantly runs. He cuts. He does some backdoor cuts that just cause the defense headaches. He'll cut set a pin down and then curl out just to receive the ball in order to swing it to the guy that was cutting off the pin down. Like he does so much off ball. And the thing is when you see him play, he plays at such like a with a calm demeanor and like almost like he's playing at half pace, right? Like he you know I never feel like I've seen him sure. I've never felt like I've seen him really run like sprint. But then it's, he'll it's like Kawhi. 
He's just they're gonna get to their spots, and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. And recently, that little step back, just you know, like uh, just mid range, drive a little bit, pull back, and just hit that that jump shot right in your grill. Or he'll do the same thing, right? He'll like do that pivot and then pivot back and fade away. You know the one I mean? Yeah, the reverse pivot. And it's funny because I'm happy when Gordon does it and it feels like it's going in, but I almost get upset at Jason for doing it. I feel like those two are working on that for Jason behind the scenes. Like It feels like a development that eventually that's going to be cash for Jason too. But Hayward's mastered that. And the way he can just, the way he moves off ball, he'd done a lot of damage yesterday without the ball in his hands. And considering he, at times, kept the team in it, especially, I mean, he led the team in the first quarter, and I think he led them again in the third for points scored. Uh, and then the damage he does off ball, just because of the way he, he causes missed rotations. He was running guys into each other at one point down low. Like his man was following him on a cup. The big didn't know what was going on. It, it happens so often, and because you don't really catch it on the first watch, a lot of what he does and how he affects the game really goes like it gets under the radar. So here's me just giving him a bit of a shout out for that. But no, I feel like the last few games he's really starting to get back to the Haywood we saw at the start of the year. Yeah, I mean it's easy to forget the guy's only played 17 games all year at this point. And he's played well, dude. I mean, there's been a few games where he's looked to step off pace, especially when he first came back from that hand injury. But that was to be that's to be forgiven. The good thing was it was his offhand. I mean, we spoke about that before at length, so I don't want to go too much back into that. But I feel like that's why he's getting such a hard rap at the moment because he's had such bad injury troubles being in Boston. And the majority of them haven't been like reoccurring injuries. They've all been something fresh apart from the nerve thing on his foot. And that hand injury was a freak accident, dude. I feel like if he stays healthy for the rest of the year, people's opinion about him is going to change quite dramatically. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, Celtics have four all-star talents on this roster, so. Don't they have five? <laughs> Who's the fifth we're looking at here? I thought Taco Fall was getting looked oh. at. <laughs> I'm not getting drawn on that. Right, I forgot Taco's the starter out of all of them. This podcast, we don't swear on this podcast, and if I get drawn in on that, I'm going to break that rule. Uh, I am not a fan of that at all. I think that's a terrible, 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 terrible idea. Taco Fall and Alex Caruso, man, going at it. I mean, I don't mind if you put Alex Caruso on there. He's not, um, he's not on the team I follow. I don't care about Alex Caruso. <laughs> I feel like he needs to grow some hair. If, he's, if he gets an all-star appearance, then he has to he has to put some cash down. LeBron is on his team. Like, LeBron is withholding information from this balding man. <laughs> from this balding man. <laughs> he is, dude. Pretty soon he's going to be Mr. Clean. I'm telling you, dude. But, like, that's not, like, as a Celtics fan, that's not our problem. My problem is, like, Look, man, I like Taco Fall as much as the next guy, but I think this hype train for him's got far too uh, out of hand at this point. He's good. I just don't. He look. I think this is his only ever shot at an All Star appearance. I'm going to be straight. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, is he good? And. Yeah, I, I, it's just, it's kind of fun, you know, I, fan bases will just attach to these, like Caruso is just because he is this balding white guy. 
His mascot on a two-way, that's all he is, dude. Right. That's exactly what Taco's become. And it's kind of fun, but it's also kind of weird. Because really, they're just cheering because he's like 7'6". <laughs> yeah, he's got unteachable, like, intangibles, dude. Like, you, right. can't, you can't teach 7'6". It's true. Just like you can't teach people not to vote for somebody just because they're 7'6". You see my train of thought here? Right. We're not biting on that, are we, Brendan? I don't know, man. If he's there, I might buy an all-star jersey of Taco Fall. I'll kick you off this podcast for eternity. <laughs> Come on, if he makes it, it's a story worth it. Okay, you got to buy me one too, then. Sure. Now, sure. has this ever happened? I mean, guys on two ways and in the G League getting voted in? I mean... I think the NBA would step in. Like, I, I don't think point, they would right? allow it. Yeah, they they might even, like, you know, just quietly... Probably not going to get ...meetings behind the scenes. Right. They'll just introduce a new rule. All-stars have to be on full NBA contracts. All-stars have to be under 7-5. <laughs> That's just full <laughs> NBA contracts, right? You can't be a two-way guy and be in the All-Star game. How does right. that work? I mean, Tremont Waters, though. So. No, dude. Let's know, dude. I like Tremont Waters very, very much, but no, dude. Unless but then again, Boston could just be like, all right, we're going to give you a permanent contract so you can be an All-Star. But the problem is, like, look, let's get real on it at the moment. The problem is, like, all-style appearances can really affect the sort of contract you get once you're next up in free agency. So a legit player that's deserving of being in the All-Star game would miss out, and then that would probably hit him in the pocket because people wanted to see Taco Fall for 10 minutes in an All-Star game. That's the reality yeah. of it when you start looking at it like that, and then I'm against that because like these guys that are actually deserving of the All-Star game, then... I get it, everyone's getting paid in the NBA, but that's that's like probably a couple of million dollars a year that's that we're talking in differences in contracts. So a lot of guys have incentives in their contracts too, that if they make the all star break they get a pay grade. Yeah, didn't right. Jalen Brown get that in his latest contract? I believe he did, yeah. So yeah, I mean well we can see why Jalen's all of a sudden stepped up. But but yeah, exactly that, dude. You're costing guys money now and money down the line just to give a guy who's seven foot six a chance to be a mascot in an all star game. Just yeah, let him well, make him appear. It's not going to happen, anyways. It's all in good fun with this voting. People think they're funny, and it kind of is funny, but it's not going to happen. It was funny for like 10 minutes in the summer league. <laughs> like, I take this stuff far too seriously, dude, to, to, to find that funny. Brad Stevens did not find it funny at all. What did he say? You got a quote? Um, I can find a quote. I believe he said, I don't love it one bit. He's been in the NBA for 10 minutes or something like that. He's played for 10 minutes. He doesn't like it at all. Something like that. Huh. So this yeah, is why me and Brad Stevens sounds are like friends. Brad. Yeah, right. this is why me and Brad Stevens right. are friends. And I like how Brad also teased the crowd about putting Taco in a couple times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he loves it. I can imagine him to be one of these guys. You know these people that are just like deadpan. So they're like, they never crack a smile or anything, but their sarcasm is so on point that you have to, like, you just can't <laughs> stop laughing. Yeah, where it like takes you a couple seconds to even realize he was yeah, sarcastic. Or, or he'll burn you and you won't know it's a burn until like two days later when you're like, what did he say to me? Right, right. 
<laughs> you're telling someone the story. They're like, oh, dude, he totally dissed you. You're like, wait, he did. Yeah, and it's like so. It's been so long that you can't even confront them about it no more because right. you just look dumb. And then that's yeah. worse because you feel shit. That's Brad Steen. <laughs> yeah. He'll be telling guys like he'll be rip, ripping you apart over a play, and you won't even know it until you you're at home. And then you're like, man, he really went in on me. And you went. Yeah. I mean, that's great management style as well. I'd love to have like <laughs> a, a Thanksgiving dinner at Brad Stevens' house. Oh God, he wouldn't understand a word I was saying. <laughs> be fantastic so I found that quote do you want me to read it yeah fire it off alright so he said I don't love it I don't love the idea when you're talking about the all-star game or any awards not being based solely on what's happening on the court and impacting the team oh I just lost it I'm not sure where it was we get the gist we get the gist this is this is yeah. a little bit of saltiness because he missed out on coach of the year too which he should be this year by the way true I think a lot of players are going to end up voting for Taco Fall because they get a portion as well of vote no I can't see any players voting for Taco Fall if they do then they're just doing it because they find it funny too at which point I no longer like those players Are you laughing? Adam's not having any of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll switch the sport I follow if Taco Fall gets into the All Star game, dude. Better switch over to soccer. No, don't insult me. Don't insult me, dude. <laughs> anyway, this has turned into just a normal conversation, so we apologize. Uh, I'm very curious to know whether you're in the pro Taco or anti Taco in the All Star game. So please tweet at me or Brendan. Email me and if you don't. Pro want Drummond to. or not. Oh, yeah, that one's actually far more pertinent. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, so scrap the taco one. If you want to message me about taco, that's fine. If it's pro-taco, please don't be offended if I respond back quite aggressively. But definitely if you're pro or anti-Drummond, and if you're pro-Drummond and you have a trade scenario that you think works that doesn't involve Hayward, let's have a look at that. Throw the trade machine screenshots up there. I'm, I'm curious. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Again. Again. <laughs> again, again. Oh, it's 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 word of the week, right? Oh, it is. <laughs> What's the word, Adam? What are we going for this time? We're we going for regional or we're we going for national? Uh let's do regional. Copper. C- huh? Copper. Copper? Coppa. C-U-P-P-A. Coppa. Coppa. And what is that? Coppa. A cup of tea or a cup of coffee? Oh, God. Wait, this uh, is just combining <laughs> two words. Yeah, do you want a cuppa? <laughs> okay. All right, fine. fine. <laughs> that was just because I'm going to go make myself a cup of tea after this podcast. And I was there like, yeah, I was thinking, I really want a cuppa. And then it was the first thing that came to my head. So, but you say it like that. You say, I want a cuppa. Yeah, like, if you have a guest round and, like, they're not American or, you know, foreign, you're like, you want a cuppa? And they're like, yes, please. So, you don't even say the second part, like, cup of tea or whatever. It's just no, assumed it's, that it's tea. Yeah, like, well, you know, any if they're your peoples, you know whether they're a tea or coffee guy. Like, people oh, offer God. me a cuppa, it comes as a cup of coffee. Uh, okay. Depends. I'm a water guy. There you go. You're not welcome in my house at that point. <laughs> Copa water. 
There you copper, go. A copper. Water. Water. <laughs> we call that council pop. What? Yeah, because like you know, like a you know, like council housing, like government housing. Sure. Yeah, so you, the only time you ever really get offered a drink of water is if you go to someone's house that lives in like that type of housing. So that so it's council like council pop. It's like you know what you drink at poor people's houses. You sound like you need to drink more water. No, I drink plenty of water, but I drink filtered water. So I just say uh, <laughs> quite proper. Yes, dude, with the filter. You need the filter. <laughs> right, guys, this has descended into madness. I apologize. We'll, uh, you get to know us a bit better when this happens, and hopefully you giggle. Uh, we'll catch you again on Wednesday. Say bye, Brendan. Bye. Stop <laughs> <laughs> Stop putting